Hello, fellow songwriters, and welcome to the 17th episode of the How Songs Are Made podcast, where we talk to notable artists about their songwriting process. I'm your host, Trey Xavier, and today we're going to be talking to my good buddy, Roe Stevenson, a.k.a. I Built This Guy, about how he writes songs, and specifically for his new album, uh, The Quiet Place Away. Today's episode is sponsored by the 7-Day Riff to Song Challenge, which, if you're like most guitar players, you have a mountain of sick riffs and no finished songs. That was me. I've been there. That's why I created the 7-Day Riff to Song Challenge, which is a free mini course where I show you how to turn one riff into one song in one week. To take the challenge, hit the link in the description and follow the instructions, and in just a week, you will have a completed song. All right? So, now, his new album, The Quiet Place Away, drops this coming Friday, June 3rd. So please welcome my guest, Ro. How's it going, Trey? What's up? It's it's great. He He's coming live to us all the way from Oz, the land down under, and where it is 4 a.m. That is correct. <laughs> and for some reason, he's more awake than I am. But uh, how are you doing, bud? I haven't seen you in real life in so long. I'm doing well. I know. It feels like it's been way too long but uh such is living so far away like we do (laughs) yeah it's interesting because nam is coming up like on friday well yeah or thursday like so like day before your album drops is going to be nam and that's uh where i get to see you sometimes if i Mm -hmm. if i do you know so yeah man uh obviously a lot going on if you've got a new album on the way and it's it's real different you must have been doing some some deep digging. Absolutely. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a massive journey and it's, it's a, been a huge ride for me. So to be at this point is kind of surreal and it's a, it's a weird feeling like it's just, it, it just, yeah, it's, it kind of hasn't sunken in yet. I know I've released like, I've released two singles so far. It's still a very weird feeling right now. Two singles with awesome music videos, uh, the second of which dropped yesterday, correct? Well, I guess it was, um, or was it today for you? <laughs> it was yesterday, yesterday. <laughs> You say it's surreal for you. The videos are surreal for us. <laughs> They're such a um, a nice journey. Um, I think they complement the music so well. Normally, I find teasers to be a little, I don't know. It's like a thing that everybody does and you kind of got to do it. Sometimes I'm kind of, I think they're kind of like dumb or silly or whatever. But the one where it's you waking up in front of the house and with the, you know, I was like, Oh shit! I want to see more of that. I gotta know what's happening. Yeah, I think that was a great teaser. Oh, that's awesome. Here on the podcast, there's really only one question, and all the other questions are follow-ups. And the one question is, what is your songwriting process like, and how was it different, if at all, for this album uh, versus previous things that you've done? Well, for this album, it was worlds apart from what I usually do in, in every way, basically. It was complete, complete shift and kind of a, a welcome change this time around as well. And, and part of the reason why I wanted to go that way. So, yeah, completely different. For starters, I wasn't creating in front of the computer, which is pretty much my standard go-to thing, you know, when I'm writing riffs and metal and whatnot, you know, Mm -hmm. it was done a lot on the couch with TV on mute with my acoustic guitar and a complete different headspace and and everything. So very, very different in in every way, basically. 
so like, I mean, the actual process really starts with, um, you know, me with the acoustic guitar and I'm, I'm um, usually in some form of open tuning and uh, just, just fiddling around with, you know, progressions and harmonics because I love doing harmonics and trying to, trying to blend melody with chords and things like that, which is sort of, I guess that has some similarities to my metal stuff as well. But, but um, yeah, you know, I basically start off trying to figure out riff one or section one. And, and I don't try to think too far beyond that initially, you know, so I'm just getting that initial first section started with. So, yeah, I mean, lo- a lot of the time this, this, um, this album was, you know, all the songs from this album were written very late at night. I think for some reason I work pretty well in the, you know, when it's late, there's like, you don't hear cars outside. Everything's just dead. There's just nothing going on. Mm-hmm. And for some reason that helps me get in the zone a bit. And, um, you know, just start strumming around and, you know, fiddling with chords and, and starting to construct some sort of melody and it just snowballs and snowballs. I, I kind of like feel like I, I kind of black out somewhat, you know, and you just you, you, you come to after you've been like tweaking this particular line for however long and you're like, oh, shit, this could be the start of something, you know? Mm hmm. You come to and you're in front of this big house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it kind of does feel like that. Oh, I, I did something. Oh, no. Where am I? Yeah, I, th- I think sometimes it takes you by surprise too, where you, you sort of, you've got like, maybe you've got a chord and then, yeah, you might find yourself, nothing's really hitting you and it's just, okay, I kind of like this chord, but what can I do to this chord? Or maybe it's the way I'm strumming it or something like that. And then when you hit something and you're like, it just... I think I've got the ability to recognize those moments like, oh, that hitting that particular chord in that particular way makes me feel something, you know, Mm -hmm. and then you start digging and digging and and expanding and all that sort of stuff. Chasing that, chasing the feeling that that you got. Definitely. I think, I think what usually would happen was at the end of the session, I'd record it on my phone, you know, and I'd be like, all right, I like this riff or even if it's just a chord or it's just, just a very, even it could be very, very simple and very, very small idea. But yeah, I've put that on my phone and then, you know, I'll be thinking about it. At the end of the set. So you, you're messing around, you come up with something, you, you wait. Yeah. At the end, at the end. See, that's, uh, that's funny because when I'm doing something like that, I'm so terrified that I'm going to forget every little thing. When I hit that one little idea, I instantly record it, <laughs> but then I also, so that tends to uh, make me too like, you know. Oh yeah. Oh fuck! What's that scene in Black Sheep where he's like, "I have my precious, my little sail, and I love it, and I squeeze it, and I destroy it." <laughs> um, so you're actually like sitting there and developing it a bit before you. Yeah, I think um, for me, it's like it's got to be worthy for me to like set the phone up. I've got to be excited to to want to even set the phone up, otherwise. I'm just not. So I have to get to that point where it's like, all right, I think I dig this. This is like, this is a good idea. So I'm going to film it and then I can, I can come back to that the next day and see if I can push into the next section. Or sometimes I'll be like, all right, it's, it's almost there, but I kind of want to tweak those last few notes or, or the way it loops back on itself. I want to, I want to, um, tweak, tweak it. So it's not a direct loop, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. So I might spend time on doing that. And I think that's that's what, what happens to, to a section. Like it's, it's you know, you've got repeated riffs and things like that, but it's the way that they loop back around in, in a, you know, hopefully a, a unique and different to, to just looping it back to back um, makes the section fleshed out a bit more. Yeah. There's a lot of exploring 
notes and and options and you know trying to get the best of you know what you're exploring i suppose so you said that you're working in a lot of open tunings how do you decide what the open tuning is like how do you decide how the guitar is tuned i feel like you when you're playing electric you play in uh, like a couple different drop tunings but i don't think they're mostly open tunings i could be wrong yeah ne- never on electric guitar so on the electric guitar it's like a drop d relationship right but like maybe drops drop c or drop b usually yeah so for all the metal stuff it's like i I prefer trying to stick to that relationship because I know it's harder. I know it's like a lot harder for me to create. So that that actually is the fun chat. That's the whole fun of it. It's like, all right, I've done this tuning to death, but that's why I'm going to create something cool because I am forcing myself to, th- to try to think about the instrument differently again, even though I've done it for, for so many albums or whatever now, you know? Yeah. So uh, for, for the electric stuff, I like to keep it in that tuning. I mean... Having said that, going into my next uh, album, I'm, I might have to start <laughs> expanding on that a little bit more, but um, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. But yeah, with the acoustic stuff, I, I, I learned that um, the open tunings is the way for me personally, because I mean, you just, I mean, you just play strum open and you get this really awesome sound, you know, um, whatever you've done your open tuning to. I don't, I don't do anything too crazy. Like it's usually just, I don't even know. Like I just... Um, find a good chord right basically from the get-go it sounds great and then and then you know all the harmonics you've got uh, access to open up beautifully and um you know letting letting the bass like like doing a progression where the the top end of the guitar those you know gbe strings are, are, are sounding out ringing out i love doing that kind of stuff which you, which you can do on a standard tune guitar as well but um you get you just get a whole new sound you know when you explore open tunings so yeah, I've decided I'm going to stick with open tunings for acoustic guitar because it just it just rings perfectly, no matter what. If you strum it open, you're gonna it's gonna sound good still. You can always go back to that open open chord there. You know what I mean? Like with a standard relationship tuned acoustic guitar. Like I have written songs in that tuning, but it's it's a lot. It's just it's just a lot. I feel like you're fighting it a lot more to to get the to get the sweeter sounds happening. So yeah, for me, open chords for acoustic guitar is is definitely the way. Yeah. What are the tunings that you're using for the album? Is it uh, a couple different ones or is it mostly the same or, or similar? Do you know? I've got two different ones that I that I sort of start off with. I've written in the same tuning, but just lower for some songs on the album. So it's the same relationship, just slightly lower. Honestly, I can't, I don't even, I can't even remember what the notes are, like for real. <laughs> I'd have to, I'd have to look that up, look that up to be honest. Um, but there's one that's like, it's pretty standard. It's nothing too revolutionary and there's another one that's got a, a, a minor it's like a minor chord when you play it open mm-hmm. so it's a, it's a lot it's a, it's a very distinct sound which is the first single i released has that so it's yeah it's it's a minor chord that you that you would play in, a, in the open position so that that is a really cool like using those two uh, i find inspires creativity because it's there's two different distinct open chord sounds that you get there there was a song the closing song on the album which was a variation of of one of one of those open tunings where i just tweaked the high e string and for some reason just doing that just 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 gave me this whole new vibe and and it really um spurred on just the riff first riff which just kept leading on to the whole song it feels i feel like sometimes it's just like it just happens and you just watch it happen you know you get those moments (laughs) yeah 
you see the thing that needs to be done. You just have to complete the mission. You suddenly know what it is and you're just like, oh, there it is. Hello. Yeah. That also comes with experience too. You sort of have certain things that you know are going to are gonna work to, to flesh out a section. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, one of those things I could probably talk about right now is like if, if you take um, a malady, you, you have a malady where maybe maybe the the it's based around an open like one chord that's maybe open or whatever it is and you've got a melody that's going along that and then to to expand that section you 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 bring in a a progression over the top so you're still doing the same sort of melody but your progression underneath starts to expand and change and and that sort of thing and it and it, it that usually ties in really nicely together so you've got like as a listener you you sort of it, it feels familiar but it's different you know so I definitely love doing that sort of stuff. So you ba- you're basically rewriting the riff. That's an interesting way to look at it. So you're saying you're you're creating variations on the thing as you go, like yeah. But re- really, what it is is just it's just the the underlying progression. You know, like you could play a melody ten ways, and and the progression totally changes the feel. Right. Reharmonize the same melody or whatever. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Sweet. I can see that like when I'm writing something, I'm like, all right, cool. I'm going to take that and I'm going to make the harmony underneath adapt and evolve beyond that. So as a listener, you're like, oh, this is familiar, but it's not, it's different. So what's going on? You know what I mean? I noticed at least in one of them, there were a couple spots where there were two separate guitar parts. Um, There was like, you had like a, a separate melody and the chords on two different guitars. Did you do that a lot on this or um, is it a lot of sort of, chord melody type of solo guitar arrangements and then with all the stuff layered on top of it uh yeah so there's a lot of layering that's kind of part of my process i think like adding layers and and all that sort of stuff so i mean people people like antoine defour like he can he can do like three guitars and percussion all in the one performance you know, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I wish I could do that, but I totally can't. So I like to, to layer up uh, things and add, you know, harmonics over the top and different melodies underneath the progressions and things like that. So I'm not afraid to do that. Definitely did that tons. I'd, I'd probably say, yeah, I mean, there's a few songs that are basically led by just one guitar, but there's probably more that have layers going on underneath. I just, I just can't help myself, <laughs> you know. I just want to keep adding and, and, and stuff like that, which is... Yeah, it's probably something I'm trying to be more conscious of these days, um, whether it needs it, because like, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely guilty of having like 10 different guitars in a song or whatever. When you say guilty, <laughs> that makes it seem like it's a bad thing. I think it's sick. I mean, yeah, I mean it's, it, it becomes a pain in the ass when it's time to play it live, because then it's like yeah. either you bring five other people on stage <laughs> with you or you have some tracks or it's a little empty sounding compared to the recording and i don't care <laughs> like i just want you know what i mean i'm just uh, like i any of those options to me is awesome and i think uh layering guitars in the studio is like the it's t- layering anything really adding building to the thing to me is like it's one of the most fun parts i can't help myself either yeah for sure i, th- I think the only the only issue with it for me is like in the mixing stage where it's like, cause I get this thing where I'm like, okay, I want, I want to hear that melody. Okay. But I also want to hear those other nine melodies. And it's like, then, you know, as a mixer, it's like, well, which one is it? Like, can't, we can't have them all at the front. Like, you know, so yeah, that's probably, that's, that's my thinking anyway. Like I want to, I want them to be very deliberate, Mm -hmm. you know? So that's, I'm trying to, I'm trying to um, be more deliberate and more conscious about that sort of stuff. Yeah. 
So the, I actually did ha- have a question that is maybe slightly not 100% related to the one question. But really, how, how did you decide to do an acoustic album after uh, how many releases on all electric guitar, very heavy stuff? What was it about right now that you were like, yeah, I'm going to do an acoustic album? You know, I started learning on acoustic guitar, right? So it's always been there. Acoustic guitar has always been there. I've, I've always slipped in a song or two on albums. Mm-hmm. And like, I love writing acoustic music. I mean, for one, it's just so different and it makes me think a lot differently. And it inspires me for that reason, because I'm not, not thinking about like drum fills or something, you know, I'm thinking about uh, all the production stuff that you've got at your disposal mm-hmm. when you're writing metal, you know, um, I'm not thinking about that. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about chords and melody and harmonics and tunings. And it's just a whole different well, so that that inspires me to create just in that way. So um, I've definitely dabbled with acoustic throughout, but um, I just thought it came to a point, that, and this was even before COVID, that like I want to do an acoustic album. I think it'd be, I think it'd be I think I should. I think I've got it in me, and um, I just want to do it. So yeah, I, I figured. You know, you know. I mean, it's funny because like I wanted to do an acoustic album, right? And then COVID hit and stuff. I'm like, all right, cool. I'll I'll I'll, I'll dedicate some i'll block out some time to just just do the acoustic stuff and in my mind i'm thinking like all right this will be cool i'll be able to get this done fairly quickly i reckon and i'll be able to i'll do it at home it'll be cool i'll just record it myself it'll be free it'll be nice and easy it'll be cool it'll be good fun for me it'll be something that people can listen to while i'm working on the next metal stuff you know and uh that was going on in my head so the further i went along with it i started dabbling with piano and like strings and all this stuff and i just got to a point where I had that realization where this isn't it. Like, cause I, I sort of fleshed out the mixes and all that sort of stuff and did my own programming and whatever. But I just realized like this, this is not what I should put out. Like these songs deserve a lot more attention than, than what I'm currently giving them. So I thought, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to seek some outside perspectives on this and, and get other people involved and really flesh out these songs to the absolute best that, that, that they can be, you know? So it ended up becoming this massive, massive journey. And the thing about me being cool, like thinking, cool, this will be free. It'll be, it'll be good for me. Like, it'll just be chill was, I mean, this is the most effort, the most money, the most everything (laughs) invested into this, you know? So it's, it's like, it's kind of crazy like that, but I went down the rabbit hole and I got stuck in that pretty bad. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, if you had the idea for it pre-COVID, like that means you're two plus years out from the inception of the idea. So, <laughs> ooh, yeah, you've got live strings and uh, banjo, piano, some other stuff on there. Hmm. So you said you recorded those with Forrester Savelle, yeah? Yeah, all, all the guitars we did in an Airbnb. I did that with uh, an engineer friend of mine, Chris. So we did all of that together in if we booked we booked a place for about a week and and just um because i you know i had all the songs written just sort of more centered on on guitars and stuff and uh when i spoke to forrester because i I knew that he'd be great for it when i wanted to sort of take it to the next level he's like you should consider using like other instruments you know like mandolin and banjos and different you know dobro guitars and and that sort of thing because i because i initially just used one guitar for everything you know and that's the effect of the album it sounds like one guitar the whole time you know mm-hmm. so he really brought that idea to the table and got me thinking all right cool so um you know i tried to get my hands on different instruments and 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 
you know, trying my best to learn what I could and add, add different ideas. So that, that was really cool. I, I spent some time trying to figure out some things that would mesh nicely with, with the guitars and stuff like that. But yeah, we, we ended up adding a lot of different instruments. I mean, all the percussion, percussion stuff as well. You know, we did, we did like Guiro and um, we did chimes and like, uh, what else did we do? Oh, I mean, the um, glockenspiel, that was a whole learning curve too. Mm-hmm. Bought myself, bought myself a Glockenspiel, and um, it's a real Glock. Yeah, that's not a sampled one. Wow. So you learned to play it. Yeah. Wow. I don't know if I, I don't know if you'd say learn to play it, but I played it enough to <laughs> get what I needed. You learned your parts. Yeah, yeah. To learn the bare minimum, but man, that shit's fucking hard, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, cause you, you, you know, you play a wrong note and it sounds for ages. That sustains forever. So you've got to like. If you do a wrong note in a take, it's like, oh god, you, you know, there's no you know, editing. It's really that. hard to to nail it. Nah, nah, nah. A bit of a side note. It was funny because that was the first time working with Forrester in person, like in the same room and stuff like that. I mean, we, he he had worked on my other album, but it was all, you know, just emails and whatever. Yeah. So I was really I was really excited about that because I knew we could we could get in a room together and discuss things and like have that ability to to discuss and figure out things in in real time, you know. I was like doing stuff like recording Triangle and I'm looking at Forrester, Forrester in the next room. I'm like, man, this is one of my heroes <laughs> that has done some of the best music that of all time in my, you know, mm-hmm. for me. And I'm recording Triangle with him. It's like, man, what, what's going on? Like it's, it's such a weird, <laughs> weird moment of realization. <laughs> yeah, but, you're like, yeah. You're like, this is the guy that did Carnival. Yeah. Ding. <laughs> like. It was, it was funny. Or whatever. Yeah, totally, man. But yeah, that's pretty surreal. I mean, but at the same time, like, if he's like, we should put a triangle here. It it could be the fucking thing. It, it could be the one, the oh, thing absolutely. that, like, you know, that's exactly where the triangle needed to go. It needed to be this sound on this song, <laughs> and it's gonna slap the triangle part. Uh, totally, totally. The triangle part is the the special sauce that makes it really slap. Yeah, you know, you know, that's that's something I. I you know, I've learned over, over time is like those, those elements, like those real percussion elements, they add so much to the overall result, you know? So I definitely, I mean, I went, I went to a shop before we went to the, to the session. I, I bought as much percussion stuff as I could. I bought heaps of just, all, all these different things and I like lay them out on the table. I'm like, all right, here's what we got. We got chimes, we got Guiro, we got shakers, we got all this stuff. And then we would experiment with like, with them in, in 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 different songs and like you know you'd have an idea like hmm, i think guiro might be really cool in this particular song or whatever you know and you try it out and i mean dude guiro is hard to play too man <laughs> that took me a second yeah it's like youtubing youtubing how yeah. to play it I'm like okay <laughs> okay so it's you go up and it's yeah it's it's like i mean the consistency like i'm not a I'm not a percussion player or, or I don't have any rhythmic background. <laughs> so to like, to be able to like consistently like do a shaker and stuff, it's like, yeah, it took, it took a lot of, it took a lot of work for me. Yeah. Well, think about it like this in a, I don't know, in a band where they have Guiro, like, yeah, a lot of um, South American music, like Latin American music and stuff like that. They'll have a dude. That's his job. That's, 
he's the Guiro guy. Yeah. He just like picked up the Guiro one day and like, this is my destiny. And he, that's all he plays, <laughs> you know, and knows all the things that he'll do and all the sounds. And, and you're like, yeah. I picked this up yesterday. <laughs> and like, you can't be expected to do it as well as that one guy. Have you ever heard of the band Compasses? Have not. You want to see some wild, uh, like, Shaker and Guiro shit. They're basically like a... Uh, like an acoustic prog band from South America somewhere and they've got like it's called Criollo music the, the there was like a viral video that was like Criollo Dream Theater and it's this kind of like Latin American like kind of flamenco-y guitars and bass and stuff and just prog insanity and it's like the craziest shaker prog shit of all time and that's what I always think of when I think of that stuff right okay you think oh well, it's a gourd and a stick. How hard could it be? <laughs> and then you're in front of the microphone. You're like, oh, God, I didn't study for the test. Oh, yeah. I definitely had those moments, definitely. But um, I mean, same, same with the, the Glock, you know. But um, we, we got there. We got yeah. It's fine. So it just, just took a bit. The string arrangements on this are gorgeous. Are those based on parts that you wrote? Or did you have somebody else do it and orchestrate it or anything like that? Yeah, so um, a buddy of mine named Jake Wilson from the UK, he's an amazing string arranger, as well as an incredible guitarist. Very, very good guitarist. He's just just one of those freaks that is just exceptional. But um, yeah, he, he was the guy we got to do the arrangements. When I was fiddling around with it at home, I sort of, I, I would do what you know stuff that i thought complemented the guitars and stuff like that and and you know things that made sense like doing doing like um pizzicato i think it's called mm -hmm. picked yeah picked notes um to match harmonics and things like mm -hmm. I, I would do a lot of that but then he, you know i send it to him and i'll be like oh this is sort of like what i'm thinking for this song or whatever and he'd be like oh that's actually physically impossible to do <laughs> <laughs> um so so what he he knew all the ins and outs of like arranging right mm -hmm. so he was like you should get a viola player because initially i was doing violin and cello and he was like i think you would be better to, to include a viola in here because that range is much more suited to what your sort of programming is going for so mm. he got uh he suggested viola and started writing for viola and you know he, he would take bits of what i was doing but really he he transformed it you know i mean you can tell when you hear the music the strings are like they they sound legit for a reason because he knows how they operate, how what they can do, what they're capable of, um, and you know how to best get the results. And he added added a lot to it. So yeah, I'd say he took like one percent of what I did, and the rest he <laughs> did did his thing. You know. Yeah. But I, I loved I loved what he did. It was, it was stunning work. Viola is the special sauce. The viola by itself is kind of a weird instrument, you know, like it's 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 nice. It's got this like this sort of mid-rangey like sonorous thing, but by itself you're like, I don't know, like it's not all that, you know, you hear the violin a lot and you really feel like the cello and the mm, bass. Mm. But the viola, if it's not there, you're like, oh, that sucks. All of a sudden when it's there, it's like, oh, there it is. That's the final thing. Yeah. So that's a, a, a smart guy, Mr. Jake. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But I'm um, so happy with the strings. And, and he, he was under a lot of pressure to get that to get that into me. And like the actual written sheets, you know, like for the string players, because I'd got the, you know, I'd booked studio time. I booked all the string players and everything. And like circumstances meant that he, he had to... um. He, he didn't have long. So, so we were doing like, even before, like the day before of 
of um, going into the studio, he was sending me parts finished and there was, you know, I'd be back, I'd be in the hotel discussing parts with him and stuff like that. So yeah, he did really well to get so much. I mean, there was a lot of work went into it, but he, he did it so quickly and it's just, yeah, he, he nailed it. It was great. It's really important because string players, if you put something in front of them, they'll play it perfectly off the page the first or second time. But if you don't have it really cleverly mapped out and easy to read at first, then it's uh, then they're they're doing this thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. Making yeah, little yeah. notes and stuff, and um, you can you can get For it sure. done. You can you can probably record the whole damn thing in like two hours if you've got it all arranged correctly. And that's why dudes like uh, like Jake with good orchestration skills and and all that who actually know what's what the players are gonna look for yeah. are worth their weight in gold. Yeah, absolutely. That that was another thing he, he explained to me how important it is, like the actual communication, you know, in in the writing was going to be. So he he, I mean, he he just knows his stuff. So I, I don't I don't understand how he's so good at guitar, but also so good at arranging. Uh, trips me out, but I guess these guys exist. I bet there's one thing, like a couple, like real basic skills that he just does not have. Like he can't <laughs> drive or like tie his shoes or something. <laughs> Maybe. That were just deleted in favor of those other ones. Let's just assume that's that's the case. But but yeah, that worked out great. And it was really cool for me because I, I was in the control room with Forrester, like pretending to read the charts as we were recording. <laughs> like I knew what was going on. Like, I mean, I know I, I can do it a, a little bit, but um, yeah. And, and, and watching the, the strings tracking and... Um, and it's just, it was really cool to, cool to be there. It was, it was really cool. We actually, I mean, we filmed the whole thing. I'm going to make a, I'm making a documentary and all this sort of stuff. So yeah, it was really cool. Hell yeah. That's great experience. That's going to be, uh, that's going to be fun to watch. I will watch the hell out of that. Yeah. So do you usually bring in any outside uh, help when you're, for the writing process specifically for any of your older stuff? Has it always been just you in front of the computer writing everything and then that's it? Yeah, but pretty much. For the Zenith Rise, I did all the the music and I had a drummer come in to, to just sort of flesh out the drums a bit more. So all the beats and stuff are basically what I came in with, you know. But, um, you know, he, he'll just add those drummer moments and things that made a lot more sense, you know what I mean? But um, I'm really kind of funny about it i liked i like the control i want to be i want to know what's going on i want to i want to have first dibs right Mm -hmm. um but when i work with someone like forrester i'm I'm a bit i can open up a little bit there and get suggestions and things like that but initially i think this whole project sort of stemmed from my ptsd from working collaboratively you know and just feeling like i wish i could have more say and stuff like that so initially this this whole project was like i don't care what anyone thinks i'm just doing what i want to do I don't care if it's not physically possible. I'm doing it anyway, <laughs> you know. Um, and that was a lot of fun. Definitely a lot of fun. I think these days I'm I'm warming into like working with others. I mean, I did a, a split EP with um Jake where we worked collaboratively. Mm-hmm. Because the thing is, you you really miss out on on the magic moments when you when you shut other people out. You know, um, you miss out on that stuff. You know, sure you get your way, but then when when you look back on it, you you really find that working with other people brings so much to to a project. Uh, exactly what you hear on on this new album. You know, Jake's string arrangements and and you know the piano moments and stuff like that 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 really shine through. Um, it just adds so much more when you know you're working with a piano player that that knows cool shit. He knows knows how to do stuff that really complements or really brings out moments in the pianos and, and stuff like that. Uh, I, I definitely love 
the control of like writing the basic sort of stuff. But I think bringing in other people who really know and, and have a lot of experience, you're going you're gonna to improve the overall end results, you know? It's not called We Built the Sky. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I get all the say. I can say no. We're doing this chord. Well, I think there's a difference between a band collaborating like, oh, we're, we're all working to write this song. And then you, I don't know, like have people who maybe don't really write who just have an ego who want to be involved and they're like oh why didn't you use my riff and I'm like well because it didn't fit the song at all and we're not just going to shoehorn it in yeah. to make you feel better there's that kind of collab and then there's like it's your project you wrote the song you're bringing in other people who know what they're doing to add to it and you're ceding a small bit of control just for their expertise and experience and that's what it sounds like this was yeah i kind of i've been telling myself that i've come from a hobbyist mentality so when i started this project it was purely a hobby so it's like it's like i'm gonna mix and i'm gonna master my own stuff because that's why i that's why i'm doing it it's fun i like that it's fun it's a challenge i i know it's not going to be as good as this other thing that's professionally mixed and mastered, but that's not the point. The point is I get to do it. I get to make the decisions and that's fun to me. That's like, that's why it's fun because it's a challenge to me. And how, how can I get a better result? How can I get a better result doing this next one than I did that did, you know, you learn, you're learning and you're, you're developing your skills and all that sort of stuff. But now I'm like not a hobbyist anymore. So it's like, it'd be stupid to think like that now because now I want to get the best results I can get. So I still have those moments, like when I started this project, I'm going to do it for free. I'm going to do it for myself uh, or myself. You know, it's going to be cool. It's going to be chill. But then having that realization that these songs deserve so much more than current, what I'm currently giving them by doing, by just doing programmed strings and programmed pianos and all that stuff, you know, yeah. I'm doing my own mixes. Why, why do that? You, you're, I'm, I shouldn't be thinking like that because that's what a hobbyist mentality is you know it's i need to be getting the best out of these songs i need to be collaborating with you know other producers and stuff to to get opinions and so yeah i still have those moments and 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 to this day i still like i'm still i'm still like adamant on like doing my own mixes anyway just just because i i do like that and i want to see how much i can improve on my last stuff but then what gets released is like a professionally mixed and mastered version of you know and then because because at the in the moment I'm like yeah this sounds sick this is great like this is awesome this is fine, but then you listen back later retrospectively and you're like okay I'm so glad I did not go with that option. <laughs> yeah, I think going into it though with that mentality takes a lot of the pressure off in a way like because if you're thinking like oh my god this is going to be a, like mixed by Forrester Svell and mass you know like if it's this is gonna be like this huge thing then you just then you you might like uh, you know in the writing stage get kind of yeah. um nervous about it or whatever thinking about that it's gonna be a big deal and I I noticed uh, sometimes when it when you're writing if you sort of let yourself off the hook like when you're if you're writing something you think is a throwaway, you know, oh, we need a B-side for this for our single. Well, let's just, I don't know, throw something together and it turns out to be better than the, the single or whatever. It really loosens up your creative mind. And so I think going into it 
if you you're keeping that original mindset and that original motivation for doing it and all that, it's probably going to turn out better. But then you by the time you get to recording it and stuff, then you're going, all right, this is there's people waiting for this. It has to sound right. It has to be great. Okay, we'll we'll hire some real string players and everything. That doesn't that doesn't change the quality of the writing. It, It doesn't put the onus on you as you're in the creative stage. Now you're sort of doing the work part, I think. Yeah, I agree. So here's a question. This is your first completely acoustic album. Is this the new direction for I Built the Sky or is this a one off, do you think? I mean, I'm gonna write metal for the rest of my life. Like there's just no getting around that for sure. <laughs> but as well as that, I just gonna write what I wanna write. Like I don't wanna be restricted. Like I definitely wanna I wanna write an EDM album and I wanna do like heaps of shit. Like I'm I'm hoping that I've sort of built this project up in a way that like the people that are follow along kind of kind of trust my tastes, I guess, my creative tastes and stuff like that. So to some degree, at least. So yeah, I, I, I plan to write another metal album. Absolutely. But um, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I guess if this one takes off and is a huge, massive hit, you might have to do A Quiet Place 2, Electric Boogaloo, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I had this conversation with um, John Brown about that. Like, say, let's say we're metal a metal artist or whatever, but then we do, we release a mandolin album and then everyone loves the mandolin album and it's huge. Would you follow that or would you do what you, you know, your instincts would lead you, you know, towards? Uh, I think ultimately you got to follow your passions because you, then you start to make music for other people and maybe that's good in the short term, but ultimately if you build your career into a way that you're the mandolin guy, but really that's not really what you're passionate about. It's not going to end well, I don't think. So, yeah, I mean, I hope it goes well, but I mean, and you know, it'll probably influence more acoustic stuff along the way, but I know I want to write more riffs and more crazy metal stuff for sure. I guess that's the downside of it potentially being very successful. You want it to be a success, but if this one is the biggest success, you might you might accidentally trap yourself. Ah, I don't I don't want to I don't want to freak myself out too much. I'm just gonna. <laughs> you don't want me to freak you out too much. It, it's gonna be what it's gonna be, and I look forward to writing more music, whatever that may be. I would love to hear an EDM album from you. I'd be really interested. Yeah, I, I love. EDM like I'm huge into it for sure so I'm super curious and I, I mean it's a whole it's it's a whole new ball game you don't you're not writing with an instrument in your hand for starters you know so I feel like that's that would create yeah it would inspire a lot of creativity I'm, I'm, I'm sure I would like to hear now like hearing that you like EDM you like metal you like the acoustic stuff with the strings I want to hear I built the sky like the triple threat all three of those in one in one song I'd kill a man with a fork to hear that. <laughs> I think you've just um you've just uh, laid the floor plans out for my next album. I think yeah. <laughs> Challenge issued. <laughs> nice. That'll be that'll be great. All right, let's go back a little bit to the um, the process portion of this. We got a little far afield because I went down the rabbit hole, but um, all of this is so so good. I like hearing all this different kinds of stuff. Do you have any like particular way? that you like to develop a song once you've got an idea like once you've got your sort of main idea you're talking about how you're you're trying to find the one the first part of the song that you're going to go off of i think you said it's usually like a winds up being a verse or whatever do you have anything that you do most of the time or very often to develop that once you've got it so for this for this album i i actually 
midied all of the guitars. So I created, I, I wrote them out as MIDI, every every guitar part, as as a way to help construct the song as a whole as well. And and then I could sort of play around with chords without needing the guitar. So once I had those, those initial ideas and I knew that I liked them, I'd MIDI them up and add layers and things and then use them as MIDI. But then like the, the general chords and the chord structure of, of things and the form of the song, I could flesh out with MIDI. And um, I found that to be quite useful. And then when I was tracking the parts, we had all the MIDI there. So we could be like, my engineer could be like, all right, we need this part now. And he'd like play it to me. I'm like, oh, yeah, sweet. And, and that, that way I'm not locked into tempo as well. So you can stretch the tempo and the, it's not going to be weird with the, um, you know, like a tracked guitar mm-hmm. that, you know, so you could hear it in different tempos and sort of decide a bit later how you're going to track it and that sort of thing so um yeah using the midi was kind of a bit of a a bit of a different approach than what i would do on the metal sort of stuff but i found it very useful to help flesh out the actual song forms as a whole interesting was there anything that changed drastically from the original idea to the final product like in terms of like the tempo but maybe something you wrote really slow that needed to be a lot faster or something like that not too much i think the only thing that that was drastic that I did was like take out a whole section um, in the in the actual like mixing stage. I felt like oh in the mix yeah got that far and you were like yeah I'm not feeling this you just cut it yeah basically I think it was or it was just before sending to Forrester so I was like getting all the sessions and doing a basic overview of the mix and stuff like that and then I'd like I think there was a yeah there was a, a song that it just didn't feel right having this section come in I think it just it just kind of dragged the song too much so just literally cut it out and it just was much better for it so that was one that was one instance I can think of that was drastically different I suppose from the initial concepts but mostly it was the same more, more of the drastic stuff came into it when I, we were adding mandolin and banjo and stuff like that and percussion all this stuff that was not in the initial plan, I suppose. Most of that stuff was that layered onto your original idea and then, but that was completely static or did you also change any of the guitar parts once you had, I mean, I guess it was by that time it was already tracked, right? Or did you change it? Yeah. Okay. So you didn't change anything based on the things that you were adding? Nah, not really. Nah. It's mostly just adding two. Gotcha. So I think the the initial songs were quite fleshed out in terms of form and and the guitar parts at least. Did you bring anybody into the process before you were done writing it in terms of like getting feedback or any kind of input? Like did you play any of the raw ideas for anybody and try to get feedback before you actually wound up tracking the finals? I did I did release a few riffs on Instagram. So there was a couple of riffs out there that you could probably find now but that was just because i felt like it like uh, maybe i fresh i wrote the the riff just the night before and then i had filmed it on my phone i was like oh we'll just put it up see if anyone cares you know and um, a few of those things got a lot of like people like oh this is cool like you know so it kind of i think that just helped build my confidence and and stuff like that but i think i think I, i tend to be a bit insular with writing and I, you know, I kind of have this mentality of like, this, this is what it is. All right. This is what it is. I don't, you're not going to change my mind. You know what I mean? And, until I get to that point where it's like, all right, actually, maybe this could be better. Like <laughs> if I get, you know, a real piano player involved or something, you know? So 
I don't, I, I, I mean, I send stuff to friends. I'll be like, wait, check this out. What do you reckon? Like, but, um, more so, I don't know. I don't know. You know, just to, just to show people and stuff like that and just to show friends more so than try to get feedback necessarily. Yeah. When it comes to like the structures of the songs, is there something drastically different about the acoustic guitar or like arrangement and, and structure the different parts of the song out? Anything different about that between um, from how you would do it with the metal stuff? Do you think? Yeah, definitely. I think this album is like very dynamic. You know, it's got super quiet, super chilled stuff to like quite dense moments and stuff like that with the with the metal stuff it's like mostly dense or (laughs) you know what i mean um with the occasional like cut back riff lo-fi whatever you know um yeah so that's that's something that i embraced thoroughly with this album uh like doing heaps of dynamic variation and stuff like that trying to trying to really push and pull that also also with tempo this stuff isn't to a click i mean we we tracked a lot of it to a click but i would go off the click and um embrace that you know what i mean Mm. so it's not metronomic there's there's lots of push and pull in the um actual tempo of things which i thought is my thinking was like it's going to be different let's fully embrace a whole different mentality because the the metal stuff i do is very to the beat you know to the metronome and, and everything's very precise and stuff like that. But for this, I was happy to explore, you know, those types of things, huge dynamic shifts and, uh, you know, changing in tempos and fluctuates and all that sort of stuff. I think in order to do that, you have to have spent a lot of time playing to a metronome. I think people go about it kind of backwards sometimes where they're like, oh, I don't need to play to a metronome like i just i'm just gonna feel it usually that if they haven't spent a lot of time with the metronome beforehand that winds up being a complete fucking disaster because they haven't developed their their internal metronome yeah but since you've spent all of this time playing very super precisely and uh, yeah and really metronomic into the click and on you know now you've you've developed it internally so you can feel where it's going and you go like all right we got it let's go on a little whoop let's take it a little outside now you can know yeah exactly exactly yeah totally totally yeah uh orchestral and like uh symphonic play like people who play you know uh cello strings oboe like horns all that stuff if you play in an orchestra is what i mean they uh will practice to a a metronome but their sense of time is completely different if there isn't like a solid backbeat in the music you know they're feeling it very very differently it's very sort of how the conductor is feeling it and all this different stuff so it seems like because there isn't really a uh, there's percussion but there's not like a a backbeat or or a drum set throughout the album you can kind of like yeah exactly have more freedom in that aspect definitely and 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 with the um like the percussion stuff the stuff that with the shaker is like just me playing the shaker through the song and like trying to trying to lock in with the the guitars or whatever you know it's it's not to the beat. And I think I think that's to the benefit of the of the end results, you know? Like I've noticed that in, in certain circumstances, you know, being being late with a percussion thing is is actually awesome. It's like super vibey and you know, you can get cool cool effects by doing those types of things. Um, so perca- percussion I think it's like that that type of percussion for this music, I think, is yeah, it's it's a vibe when you feel it and you let it fluctuate a bit like i did stuff like tapping a guitar case and stuff like that and recording that and you know yeah it's cool it was fun that's you know that you've hit a certain mindset 
and a certain level of like, yeah, man, whatever. That sounds. Let's try it. If it sounds cool, it's cool. When you're when you've when you're sitting there with the guitar case and tapping away on it, that's cool. Like you you wouldn't you wouldn't do that if you were making a metal album. You wouldn't think of that. Just- yeah, exactly, exactly. I think that's I think that that's part of this whole thing is is just a such a shift from the norm. So I embraced that fully. You know, like you'd never you'd never see me with a banjo. You know what I mean? Like in in normal situations you would not see me with a banjo but i bought a banjo i mean it was a banjo but it was a six-string banjo so uh, <laughs> so you didn't have to play and learn to play a new instrument it was just a uh <laughs> precisely yep with time time is of the essence here right i mean yeah come on you don't have to a real banjo is like it's really hard to play yeah I, I couldn't go that far. I mean, maybe if I had more time, but yeah, I, I, I enjoyed the um, the whole thing of you know, using different instruments and just a whole different mind mindset. But I think, um, you know, the people that have heard the album, they'd still say it still sounds like you, you know, we can still tell it's you. Oh yeah. So I, I think, I think I'm hoping that does sort of still resonate through. Cause I mean, I mean, what else is it going to sound like? It's, it is me. <laughs> so well, <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah, it's still got the the melodic sort of yeah vibes that I sort of throw out in in the metal stuff as well, I guess throughout, and and the occasional riff and stuff like that. You could that may even translate into a metal riff if I really wanted to, you know. As I was listening to the album, I would kind of bounce back and forth and go back and check out some of your older stuff just to have a a point of reference and stuff. Going and watching uh, the mop row from like nine years ago or whatever like like Mm. don't look at my face (laughs) you know yeah and just like seeing the transition to like trucker hat row fully embracing the uh, you know like going from like this stark dyed black hair like clearly very unnatural but awesome looking and like and the contacts and everything you being like i am a fucking machine man i don't look at me like i and and now you're just like you know you look more relaxed and chill and like it's um obviously like the the look is not the music but it feels like um like this this really interesting cohesive journey into this thing and i i can hear what you're saying the you throughout the whole thing you know there's i don't know other artists that like maybe that you sound a little bit like but there's such a distinct, unique thing that you do in all of your songs that it's hard to put my finger on, but I can hear it even in the acoustic stuff. I don't know that I'd... There's no question that this is an I Built the Sky album, you know? It's cool that you did an acoustic album that doesn't sound like a metal dude like taking a vacation. I think that's what I like about it the most. You know the Nirvana acoustic, like... uh whatever fucking live thing that they did and like he's just playing like power chords on the on an acoustic guitar i always thought that was kind of like oh god like man yeah yeah i got you this was not that this wasn't just like oh i play metal and i'm gonna play him on an acoustic guitar and it's gonna suck this feels like a complete acoustic album like you embraced the the real nature of acoustic music and wrote things that were cohesive but still sounded like you. Yeah, I think, I mean, I like to think that I'm a songwriter. I'm not necessarily a metal-specific guy. At the end of the day, I'm a, I'm a songwriter that likes metal and instrumental music, I suppose. So, you know, if you give me an acoustic guitar, I'm not going to force power chords and stuff on it. I'm going to explore what what does an acoustic guitar do? What do I like that an acoustic guitar does? 
what chords sound cool to me, what tunings sound cool to me, what, you know, m- melodic things sound cool to me. Like, um, you know, harmonics. I mean, that's a, that's a, if you, if you hear one of my acoustic songs, there's probably harmonics all over it. Cause that's what I, I love the sound of. So I sort of, you know, I'm, 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 a, I'm sort of taking what's in front of me and, and trying to think what's going to suit that thing. And, uh, how can I make it sound cool? And like, what stuff do I like that I can explore on it and all that sort of stuff. So I think, I think that the thing that carries over is maybe the layering of guitars and things. I mean, probably, I mean, I guess note choices and things like that, but I guess you gotta, you gotta listen to it to sort of know what I'm trying to say here, but it's, it's definitely not, um, just a, a metal metal guy on a, an acoustic guitar. You know what I mean? I do, but I've been lucky to hear the whole thing too. So <laughs> the folks at home, presumably today, have not yet heard it. So, or they've heard this, the two singles that you've dropped. They're going to hear what you're talking about and they're going to love it. I'm a little curious about whether or not you've ha- studied uh, songwriting or composition or music uh, theory or anything like that in any kind of formal capacity. Yep. I did actually um, study jazz, contemporary and jazz, I suppose. Um, I got a bachelor's degree in that. So I I spent like a few years doing that after I finished school. Yeah. So I did that, which was awesome. It's funny because I studied jazz, but don't ask me to play a jazz song because I I cannot do it. (laughs) You know, dude, fucking same, same. I couldn't play a convincing uh, chorus of Autumn Leaves if you put a gun to my head, <laughs> but I studied it for like two years. Yeah, I think I think that's the cool thing about about jazz and like that music is great because it's dense in all areas, so you can really learn a lot from it, and then you can apply it in your own way. But yeah, I, de- I definitely learned a, a lot through teachers and stuff like that uh, in that formal environment, which I personally, for me, I, I had a great time. Um, I've, I've tried to like talk to other people that are considering studying and, and from my perspective, I'm like, Oh, you should totally do it. It's great. Like get to meet like-minded people and you learn all these different styles and it's, it's really cool. It's, you know, but, um, I've heard from other people that it just, it just wasn't for them, you know? Um, so I, I don't know, but for me, it was a great experience, had great teachers and and got a lot out of it. Yeah. So I have studied in that, in that way for sure. Interesting. What, advantages would you say you've gained from that that you apply to what you're doing now at all uh, i think it's the, the open-mindedness that you you get when you you study different styles of music and stuff like that you you get exposed to stuff that you would never potentially find on your own which i think is super valuable for someone learning i mean and then i mean along with learning pieces that are like so far out of your comfort zone all the all the stuff all the new chords and things and scales and stuff that you learn definitely definitely like you know that's the thing you learn all these all these scales and all these techniques and all these chords and you stumble across ones you're like oh i really like that like you know and then you learn about it you know what it's called you know the effects that it gives and then when you're composing your own you you you'll think back to that either consciously or subconsciously and and you can be like cool i'm gonna i'm gonna apply that to this particular moment or whatever so yeah, I think it's super valuable. I think the more the more knowledge and, and theory stuff that you learn, the more tools you have at your disposal, especially the more you identify these things as what the effects they give in songwriting or in, you know in, in your songs, then the more power you have as a as a creator that you can know what to draw, you know exactly what to do to get certain results, you know? So you you're more efficient in that way. So I I always think of 
of that sort of side of things as it's just more tools and more things I can draw draw from if I choose to, or I can completely ignore all that and just follow my ears or just play with knobs or whatever it is and um, go that direction, you know? I can hear in your songs like that you've you take these large harmonic risks. And that to me is something that I, I notice more with people who have studied at least a little bit or at least are, I don't know, they're, like you're saying, the open-mindedness to go outside of like a basic diatonic kind of a um, song to, to stretch the harmony a little bit and know what to do with it and not play some like really wonky notes on side of a, you know, a chord that's suddenly outside of the key that you've been working in. There are a couple moments with some uh, what I would call real spicy harmony on in a couple of the songs where I went out loud, went, oh, oh, like real tasty <laughs> stuff. Yes, that's sick. That you know, warms the cockles of my ma- music major heart. Um, <laughs> I don't know. P- people get really like, kind of like, oh, I don't, oh, it's uh, uh, yeah. um, music theory. <laughs> to me, it's it's mostly just that it emotionally has a huge impact. And especially when you're making instrumental music, that's really important. Like if there's no, you know, if there's no vocal, the music, the instruments have the whole task of making somebody feel the thing that you're trying to make them feel and that's those these big harmonic shifts really do that for me personally and that's when you go like oh damn this guy kind of knows what the fuck he's doing (laughs) yeah i think i think that just comes from experience like i mean the more the more the more things you've been exposed to the more things you know exist like chord chord shifts like that you know they exist so you know i think i think i do it when i create it's mostly subconsciously that that happens, but I think I think what's happening consciously is like, all right, how can I make this interesting? I'm gonna I'm gonna go a completely different direction than what you would think was gonna happen. Like I definitely have those moments where I, I, I deliberately swing things the other way, or you know, explore at least explore that that option because I, I think that's essential. Yeah, like what you said in instrumental music to maintain someone's ears throughout the whole song. You need those changes along the way and and those those elements of surprise and things like that, you know. So I definitely consciously try to um, facilitate that, I suppose. But um, I think it just comes from the, like, experience and, and uh, as to how I know how to do that. But I'm not, I'm not like, I don't ever think, like, oh, I know if I go to the um, a flat sixth chord here, oh, this is going to give me this certain effect, which which really I, I should. Like, I advocate for, for that earlier. But, like, for some reason for me, I don't, it, just, it just works... I just have I have it in my head and I don't know what I'm doing but I know what I'm doing, you know? <laughs> I don't think that it really matters that you like would know the name of a thing or whatever. It's just that you know the sound of it and know the effect and whatever. Okay, there's a uh, there's one part on the album where you use this sound um, that I call the like the like Star Wars chord or like the John Williams sound. It's a uh, it's a major triad with a flat six now i know that it's called that because i'm a fucking nerd but you don't have to know what it's called or the theoretical relationships between the notes to find it and be like oh that's awesome that makes me feel this thing i'm gonna use it here it's just like for me i can catalog it or whatever na 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 that's a, it's just such a great sound, mm-hmm. and that's really what matters. The other stuff is just like just like makes it easier or whatever, it makes it easy to remember or 
or whatever. And communicate, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I think um, it would be in my interests if I was doing more collaborative songwriting. You know what I mean? But um, so far, it's okay. <laughs> I like that, though. You've done enough study to get an idea of a lot of this stuff, but not so much that you got so far up your own ass <laughs> or whatever, you know? Most of the dudes that I studied jazz with who were like real jazz guys are all playing like dinner music for like 10 people and are miserable, you know, like playing background jazz, like because they just they, they never really got out of that world to create something new. They just became little clones of other things. But you learned what you needed to learn. And now you're doing your own thing, taking your own path. Yeah, I, t- I tell you, I tell you, um, I know what you're saying. Um, yeah, I think for me, I, I never lost passion, you know, like like having fun is priority one. In, in my world, you know, like if this song doesn't make me feel something, if I'm not enjoying the process, not having fun, if then of course you're going to stop. Right. I mean, I used, I used to go to, you know, I, I used to go to um, school, like when I studied music with people that would sleep to the metronome and stuff because they thought it would help their, you know, internal clock. And it's like, man, like, what are you doing? Like, or people that would practice all the time, like eight hours a day which is like fine and everything, but, but like, what's your end game? Like, what's the point of being the best musician and not ever doing anything? Like, I don't, I don't see that. And I mean, unless you love practicing eight hours a day, then, then hell yeah, like go for it. But like, I, I, for me, I'd rather see, I'm at a point now where I'm not actively trying to improve my playing. I'm, I'm actively trying to create. That's my end game. I don't really think to be better necessarily. Um, I think what happens in the end for me is that I explore stuff that I can't do and that makes me better. Um, but um, I'm not actively practicing. I'm not sitting down with a textbook or whatever, trying to, whatever it is, you know what I mean? Like I've stopped practicing and stopped trying to improve as a player. I, am, I only do when it it's for some reason to do with the song or whatever, you know, which I think is, I think it's important. I think you need to find that, I think you need to early on in your career is like you want to absorb as much information as you can, learn as much stuff as you can, understand its effects and, and all that sort of stuff. But then you've got to you've got to sort of get to a point in your career. It's like, OK, so what I'm going to sw- switch over to like, OK, I'm going to be creating or writing for film or whatever it is you want to do. There's no, no point being the best and not doing anything with it. Yeah. So you've got to switch over at some point that's what i think practicing is a young man's game (laughs) you hit a point where you gotta just be doing and yeah yeah i like i was that guy for a while like i was when i was at berkeley i would just practice practice like sometimes eight hours a day or whatever and i'm grateful that i did that but i was 18 you know and like yeah like i'm not gonna i'm not <laughs> that kind of time i got shit to do <laughs> yeah and you just um you're either gonna do the thing or you're not and once you've uh, you you, you want to front load all of the knowledge like you're saying like when you're younger you want to like just get as much of that and then practicing and stuff as you can and then at a certain point you go like all right now we're going the we turn the car the other way around and now we're going towards creation we're going to become what we are we want to be the thing that other people are studying when they get to music school you know that's interesting yeah yeah perhaps yeah that's really interesting the journey of row i think it's cool that you've got this album that is there's uh so many journey oriented 
ideas in it you know your music video the um the whole thing is like this it's a it's a trip it's a going from one place to something else i mean the the music video really is it, it couldn't be any more on the nose that it's a journey you know let yourself dream you know um it's about growth and i mean i don't want to tell you what your album is about but it seems like it seems like it's about yeah growth because like becoming going from one place to another and um having watched the the journey of row from from the mop to uh <laughs> what you are and I'm, I'm excited to see where you're gonna go next that's for sure yeah i feel like um at this point in time i'm a bit of a clean slate now because i've i haven't started writing for the next album which I'm like super excited to do. Like, I feel like I've haven't written music in such a long time now. So I'm excited to like see where, where I go. Um, I know I'm going to be using an electric guitar <laughs> for this, for this time, but yeah, there's, there's a lot like you, you learn, like by doing this acoustic album, you just learn so much about the process of creation and the, the possibilities. And you, I think it's, I think there's a whole new thing within me now that that's there that I can draw from for future creation, you know? So I'm, I'm super excited to see how this, uh, this next, these next writing sessions go. Um, maybe, maybe, you know, in a, in a few months time, I know I've got like, I've got this gig coming up that I'm like an album launch show. So a lot of work going into that, trying to do this stuff live, you know, with string players and everything. So that's, that's the next challenge on my list at the moment. I can't quite get my head past that right now. But um, once that's done and dusted, I think um, I'll have a bit more mental space to create again. I'm, I'm super hyped too. Damn, you're you're gonna you're gonna do it with live strings and everything. That sounds so cool. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, dude. I uh, makes me wish I was in Australia. <laughs> if only it was not like a two day flight for you. Oh yeah. Oi. Well, if you're in Oz. Be sure to see that shit. See it for me. See it for your boy, everyone at home. Have those shows been announced yet or are you... Um... Yeah, it's announced, yeah. Okay, so be sure to check out the um, the appropriate socials to find out where, where all that is and head over to that because I will not be... I won't be there. I'll be there in spirit. That sounds great. That sounds like it'll be an amazing, super fun time. I'd come and play banjo for you. <laughs> oh, that'd be perfect. I don't play the banjo. I'll learn the banjo <laughs> and the guiro. Yes. I yes, built the totally. sky, built the sky. <laughs> it's funny, um, this show, this album launch show, right? I'm doing two sets. I'm doing this acoustic album and then I'm doing all the metal stuff oh as well in the second set. So literally doing like 20 songs in this this gig. So it's going to be like pretty intense. <laughs> the ambition, the pure ambition of the man. That's wild, dude. Hence why I can't think past it right now don't think about there's nothing past that you do that and that's the end that's the end of everything exactly exactly that's kind of what i'm thinking of i think i'm gonna need a bit of a break after this (laughs) you're gonna need another quiet place away yeah i'm gonna need a literal quiet place away just some place where there's no music at all yeah Uh, that sounds like it's going to be super fun well maybe some final thoughts about what you've what you've learned from this process of of writing the song you said you learned a lot maybe like give us one or two like really key takeaways things that you will carry with you to your next writing sessions that you're not thinking about right now (laughs) i would say um consider working with more skilled people that are more accomplished at certain areas 
you know, maybe that's with an instrument or, you know, production or something like that, you know. Um, if you're a solo artist and you get obsessed like I do with like being really insular and just trying to do everything yourself, that's really cool. But then have that moment where you think about, you know what, if I, if I had a piano player doing this, maybe they, you know, they could really bring something to the table that's going to enhance the end result of the song. So I think that's what I've learned with this. I mean, I know, I've, I've known that that's definitely... Or, you know, it's always going to be good. When you get great people involved in your project, it's, I mean, it's always going to benefit the project. I mean, but I think my mindset initially was like really insular and like just, I, I want the control and like, yeah, but it's healthy to break out of that, which is what I'm hoping to do more of for sure. Awesome. Well, this was uh, really great. I love hearing about your, your process and especially because you've taken such a huge, fresh approach here. First of all, incredibly brave. Most people will start doing the thing that they do and they just do it over and over again until they die exactly the same way. You know, especially if you find a formula that works, it's hard to break out of it. And you have, you just flipped the whole script all the way around and it worked out really, really well. Everyone needs to go and listen to the, uh, to the new album when it, when it drops on Friday. Um, I've been lucky to um, to listen to the whole thing, and it's really magnificent. It's 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 just gorgeous. Like it's your music is always beautiful on some level, but this is a whole other ball game. I really like the decision to add all the strings and the different instruments and stuff because I think it transcends just being like a guitar album, which would have been also awesome. But like it's so ambitious without being like i don't know wanky or overblown or self-important or something it's just beautiful and um i'll be spinning it even uh uh even more there's two singles out now that you guys can all go listen to i've put a link in the description where you can check out uh where you can pre-order the album um if you're in the land down under go see ro at his live release shows because He's because he's working his fucking ass off getting ready for it. If nothing else, think of the value you get. You get two sets, right? I mean, it works out to be like you pay like a like two bucks a song, so it's great value. If nothing else, even if you hate the music, the value is good. What a deal! What a deal! And um, if you want to help support Row in his endeavors and his ongoing journey, check out his Patreon, which I did not link in the description, but you can find it through the usual ways. Follow uh, I Built the Sky on all of the social medias. You know where to find them. I used to ask people like, "Oh, where can they, they, everybody knows?" Yeah, <laughs> just, you I'm know just going to remind everyone to do it right now. Go follow him on Instagram and YouTube because the way that I know Row is more than anything else was as a YouTuber to begin with, um, you know, as a um, putting out content on the old YouTubes. And uh, you'll see exactly what Trey was talking about, about my, uh, the my mob. hair. So it was, it's been a it long was awesome. journey. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was going through some stuff back then. <laughs> uh, well, it's all led to this moment. And thank you so much for coming on and taking the time to talk to me today. It's probably 5.30 in the morning for you right now, isn't it? It is. <laughs> I love it. That's dedication, and I really appreciate it. Thanks, everybody, for watching and for uh, hanging out with us. And uh, I'll, uh, I'll talk to you hopefully real soon, Ro. Good luck with the, with the album drop. Thanks, Trey. I appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for having me on. on it's, it's really cool. It helps a lot. And it's, it's just great to talk and you know, hopefully share some stuff that helps people out. So 
I think you're doing a great thing by doing this. I mean, I'm a fan. I watch the videos too. So it's really cool. So thanks. Thanks again, man. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. That was awesome. Thank you so much to Ro for taking the time to do this for all of us today. There's a link in the description where you can find all of the episodes that have been released, hsampodcast.com. And if you are a guitar player, if you're watching this, it's pretty likely that you play the guitar. And you're like me, you've got just oodles and oodles of riffs lying around and you want to turn them into songs. And that's what my seven-day Riff to Song challenge is all about. It's completely free. There's a link in the description where you can sign up for that to help you turn one riff into one song in one week. Next week, I have another ripping guitar player by the name of Jason Richardson. So you're definitely going to want to be here for that. All right. And uh, we're going to get down with the sickness. So tell all your friends and we'll see you real soon. Bye-bye.